Do you want the secret to becoming a profitable entrepreneur? It's not working 80 hours a week. It's not missing out on all the fun stuff in life. It's not feeling overwhelmed or burned out. While becoming an entrepreneur does require hard work, don't get me wrong, it's not what's going to make your business successful. If you want to truly become a profitable entrepreneur, you need to learn how to master your mindset, evolve your skills, and market your services to your ideal customer. You must commit to mastery, become the best at what you do, and never stop learning. Becoming a profitable entrepreneur is 100% possible, and I will teach you how in my free five-day workshop, Profitable Entrepreneur. I want, you to, I want to personally invite you, podcast listener of mine, and you can sign up. The link is on the description of this podcast episode. See you there. Welcome to How She Owns It, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of women in business. In each episode, your host, Pauline Maluba, founder of Help Me Pauline and podcast producer, formerly of Google, chat with fellow female CEOs who left their nine to five grind to own their time, own their finances, and own their joy. Listen in as they discuss candidly the challenges of being a business owner and share their hard earned lessons and wisdom. Hello, friends. Welcome to How She Owns It, a podcast dedicated to female entrepreneurs and boss moms who left their nine to five to own their time, their finances, and their joy in life by building their own businesses. In this episode, I have Poonam Sharma. Welcome to the show. Hi, Pauline. Thank you for having me here. So for our listeners, can you give us a brief introduction about yourself, your journey to entrepreneurship, and about your businesses that you've built up? Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, so I'm actually a, a psychologist. And so the beginning of my career was actually very formal. You know, I went through years and years and years of school. <laughs> I popped out about 28 or 29. And then I, you know, I worked actually for a hospital and medical school for about five years. And then, you know, I just really, there was a lot of changes going on. And so many psychologists end up in private practice. So I decided to move in that direction. But it was scary, you know, because I had a full-time job with benefits, with the, with the state and all this. There's a lot of security and transitioning into a private practice where I was going to be fully responsible, you know, for generating income and, mm-hmm. and practice flow and all that. So, but I did it. And I've been in practice since 2000 and made that transition actually with the help of a couple couple of colleagues who were already well established. They were so helpful, giving me contract work, passing over overflow, you know, work and took me some time to get it on my feet. But you know, it takes about a few years to get a practice established. But I have that private practice now. And then I also part of uh, what I do is lots of therapy with adults and with couples, but I also do coaching. And so I have an online presence. I've already also been cultivating as well. Amazing. Can you tell us a little bit? I think this is you're the first psychologist in the show. So I'm really excited. I've gone through therapy myself. So Uh I know how beneficial it is and like the great work that, you know, your profession does. Uh What kind of, I guess, what what kind of clients do you tend to get and what's kind of your specialty? So women tend to come to therapy more than men. (laughs) 
<laughs> so <laughs> almost every therapy practice has a lot more women than men. So I do see lots and lots of women. I see a lot of working women, actually professional women. I also see women entrepreneurs. So I work mainly daytime hours. So I see people who actually have more flexibility in, flexibility in their lives as well. But women that are really sort of in the middle of their lives, I mean, they're often married, they've got kids, they were either working in some sort of corporation or they're, you know, have their own business and they're just trying to figure out how to manage everything. It's, it's a lot, you know, and women are out there, you know, really rocking it these days. It's really awesome to see, but we also, you know, just take on a lot and there's a lot of pressure on women as well. So that, I think that's the population I serve the most. Those are the folks that I see a lot and see them for a wide range of things from relationship issues. I also do infertility work and deal with uh, health related issues, but the relationship one, that, that aspect of things is really, people really struggle with that. Yeah, absolutely. And like what we um, talked about before this, before we started recording is, you Mm -hmm. know, during this craziness that is 2020 and the ridiculousness that is, you know, all the lockdowns globally, I'm sure Mm -hmm. that a lot of relationships had been put to the test. Some (laughs) probably did not pass. Did you, did you notice that in your clientele? You know, I haven't seen people exiting relationships so much as the the path is being laid. Let's just say that. <laughs> because I think there was a study in China, right? We, we touched on that a little bit, where I think after lockdown, people ended up filing divorce. I think what I'm seeing right now is not a lot of people already divorcing, but the pressure in in the home has gone up tremendously, especially for people who have small children and or, you know, people are both working from home and they have little kids and they're trying to help their children with school online. Oh, it's like a pressure cooker. It really, really is. So I was telling somebody the other day that I think this last two, three weeks, I've seen more women really just crying, like hitting up against a wall than I've seen at any other time in my practice. It's it's really very hard. Yeah. I mean, in the previous uh, episode that I was speaking to someone about how, you know, it's great that women are more empowered financially with their career, with, with children and with choosing when to have children. But at the same time, and a great amount of onus has been given to us to kind of meet the increasing standards. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, the kind of demographic client that you have is, is, you know, kind of women who are in that kind of, they've, they've got a career going, but then they have children and they have love and, all of that. Do you have a, do you get a lot of uh, singletons in your practice? I, I do get single people as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're usually coming in for different things. I mean, sometimes they're coming in for relationship things too. Mm-hmm. Many of them is more just trying to get, figure out how to get their lives launched or how to find a relationship. But yeah. I mean, I do, I definitely mm-hmm. see the whole range of it. I only see adults at this point, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely. I see singles as well and they have their own pressures. You know, I think this is a really, it's just a tough time. I mean, the economies of the world have changed so much and it's a much harder path than it was when I was growing up where we just kind of went to school, you came out, you got a job, you, you know, I think it's a more complicated path and it requires being able to pivot uh, a lot more uh, than in the past. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I like to keep the podcast very educational so that our listeners can really get a lot of the wisdom of, of the guests. And I guess if, people are listening to this and thinking, yeah, like I am 25 and I you know, graduated from a top university and I'm trying to create my own path and trying to ignore like the pressure of my parents, trying to find love, but it's all a bit too much. Like, Punam, help me. What should I do? 
I, <laughs> I'm like a prospective client. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's what I would say to you. I think the first thing I would do is just validate that is a lot to juggle. And I think it's really important to be connected to the reality because I think some of those expectations you get out and do all this stuff, like I discussed a minute ago, those were set at a different time, you know, mm-hmm. and the things have changed in in fact, I was looking up, I think it was on Google or something, There's, they have some sort of a search function where you can put in a word and see the history of it. Mm. And uh, I put in work-life balance. You know, that didn't even show up to like the internet and phones. <laughs> I think that it's just transformed everything. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would just really validate, yeah, it is challenging, you know, but I do think that it's important to just keep going. I think the big picture for me in life is you have to keep moving towards the things that matter to you. Right. And if, you know, having a marriage or, or other kind of, you know, deeper relationship matters to so you got to put energy into that because life just goes by so quickly, you know, that if you, if you get too focused on one area, you could then miss the boat on another, you know? So I think that's the main thing is to really kind of identify what is it that really, really matters to you. If it's work, you know, put your energy into that, then you really got to throw yourself in there. But also, you know, if this other piece, if you're really the big picture, so you also want to have a relationship, you want to have a family, don't let those threads get lost. It's very easy. I think yeah. I see that happening very easily these days. Yeah, no, that's that definitely, especially for a working, you know, woman who's, who's probably meeting you now. Do people ever come to you with regrets, kind of like regretting about maybe not looking for a husband or, or a partner even, or having children earlier? or making the wrong career choice? Yeah, I mean, I actually, I do quite a bit of infertility work too. So I see a lot of professional women mm-hmm. who had no idea sort of the, about the biological clock. And so they are struggling to add children. They're often in their, you know, mid to late 30s, early 40s, and just truly just wishing someone had told them about that piece of it and you know that there really is a biological clock and you have to really factor that in so yeah that that I hear a lot it's very sad you know Uh, but I also see you know you talk about single people I also see more women coming in we're like okay well I didn't quite figure out the relationship thing or didn't quite work but you know what I'm having a child (laughs) and so I also see women really willing to take that leap now with or without allows it and I think there was a movie I think I remember watching I think it's got Jennifer Lopez or something a movie yeah. um that just that just describes your client I can't remember what it's called but yeah yeah, yeah I think I know what you're talking you about watched it yeah <laughs> <laughs> what do you tell them this this woman who are you know voluntarily becoming single mothers I suppose well you know I mean they've often made that decision already so I'm not they're trying to help them think about whether they should or not. Really, we talk more about how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is, whether you're single because you're choosing to, or you're single now because you were divorced, children have certain needs and they need stability. And so it's more about how do you create that given what you have? What are the resources? Whether they're family is a resource or you can pay for the resources, you know, especially here in the United States, you have, you know, people are just very, families are very fragmented because there's so much motion. Companies move you all over. So often people are paying for that support. So really just trying to be realistic. That's, that's where a lot of my uh, focus is when I work with people. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your book because I know you specialize in, well, a lot of relationships. So Mm -hmm. how did you come about with writing the book? Strong woman, strong love. 
Okay, that's a good question. <laughs> the truth is, I never really planned to write a book. <laughs> I was just, honestly, I, ha- I was hearing the same story over and over from women that I was seeing. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to put a handout together because I'm repeating myself and this is coming up so often that I, I, I think I can put this down on paper and it'll be useful to my clients. So I started putting some handouts together and it just kind of grew from there, honestly. <laughs> I was like, you know, this is a lot of information. Maybe if I put it all together in some sort of an ebook, this would be something I can use with my clients because it was coming out of therapy, but then I wanted to package it to be able to take it back and be useful. So that's how what happened. At some point, I just thought, gosh, this is just a lot of material. And I, and then it was actually really hard because I had to go back. It wasn't, I didn't have a plan. I had this big mess. <laughs> had somebody help me sort through the spaghetti and organize it. But that's actually where the book came from. Yeah. And for our listeners who are kind of intrigued, because, you know, I mean, I'm quite intrigued, just I haven't read the book, <laughs> to be honest. But, you know, Strong Woman, Strong Love, The Missing Manual for the Modern Marriage. I'm not married, but I'm already thinking, ooh, I need to pick this up. Can you kind of give a little teaser, kind of the trailer, if you will, for the, for the book and what it covers? Oh, sure, sure. I'd be happy to. And I would say... Um, there's a lot of really good just general relationship information. So I think a single person would get, actually get a lot out of it. I really do. You know, it's really, honestly, it was, I just took things that I knew about relationships that I use every day in my practice and I emptied my head and I put it in a way that, you know, organized in a way that was more accessible because there, at this point in, you know, in time, we know so much about what makes relationships work and what doesn't. It's not a mystery. There really is a whole science behind it now. And so I find it very tragic that people don't have, don't always have access to that information. That's one of the reasons I want to get online. It's like, oh my gosh, this is silly. Here I am sitting in my office, one person at a time, which is great. But there's millions of people struggling with their relationships, trying to figure out how do you connect with a person? How do you not? What works? What doesn't work? Uh, Dr. So, Pudam, our <laughs> listeners are listening to this thinking, Oh gosh, there's a science. There's, there's there a, is. It, it really is actually proven. You gotta yeah. tell us now. You have to tell us what what, well, what are the top three biggest, I guess, tips for success <laughs> for actually, a happy relationship. Well, if you don't mind, I'll start with actually what you shouldn't do because that's actually very well yes. established. Like so, <laughs> so like there are actually four signs that if these keep showing up in your relationship or. By 85% chance you'll end up divorced. Right. 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 And you may have heard of these. The four horsemen of the apocalypse is what they're called. (laughs) But like (laughs) criticism is the first one, right? If you're constantly, and women are more guilty of this than men, criticizing your partner, if you do that a lot. Nagging, right? Nagging. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Contempt is actually the number one predictor of divorce. So that's having a bit of a, you know, I'm better than you. And there's a bit of hate and disrespect, very deep disrespect, okay? And then defensiveness, right? Which all of us can relate to if you've ever been in an argument with (laughs) a partner. Um, And then the last thing is stonewalling, which men do more of, like really just kind of Oh, my goodness, yes. It disappeared, right? So so to me, the, the central thing that people have to focus on in order to make a relationship work is... It's, it's not communication. It's not, you know, being the right weight. It's not lear- learning the love language. It's, it's really learning how to tend to that emotional connection. Okay. Because that's actually what goes downhill if you don't watch it. 
Um, Because I think a lot of times people get together and at first there's a lot of focus on, you know, making each other feel good and meeting each other's needs. Mm -hmm. And then after some time, especially once you get married, it's like, oh, okay, now I got a husband. (laughs) Now I can focus on other things, you know, and or I can now mold him into (laughs) what I what I need. That's another approach that I see quite a bit. So it's all about the connection. And because people stay in relationships because their needs are being met. And because they feel good in the relationship. Okay. You can understand that those two concepts, that's actually a huge piece of it. Okay. Nobody stays in a relationship once, once their needs are not being met. And nobody wants to stay there if they're just negative every single day and they feel like they're, you know, failing or a loser. Right. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. I agree with, you know, complacency is a massive part of it. And I think, is this why people who are very different sometimes just doesn't work? Because well, might be that they're very, very different because they're not in the same level of income or, you know, mm-hmm. there's some kind of barrier like religion or race even or distance, I think, a lot of people as well. And, you know, by that logic, could, would it be possible to have a sort of like natural ending of a relationship, ending like a good divorce even? Because if you both developed into very different people, later on in life it's almost like you know we're st- we still respect each other and we still love each other but we're just very different people and our needs don't align mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that I, I think I think dating is great for sorting some of that out certainly I mean mm. you have compatibility it's it's easier I, I actually think people are very different can actually do well. I, I, it helps to have an underlying value system that's similar, you know, there's less potential conflict. But to me, it's, it's, if that emotional, honestly, if that emotional bond is really good, people, (laughs) they don't really care about all all the other stuff as much. You know, if they feel good, then they are much more willing to work through all the other differences. Differences aren't always an issue. Now, when they go to the, go to the core, like I said, in terms of values, then sometimes you know, uh, that can cause a big problem. But that's why you do want to date. You do want to try that on because, sure, why wouldn't you want to be with somebody that's a little bit easier uh, to be with? (laughs) (laughs) Why make it hard, right? Life is hard enough. (laughs) Um, mm -hmm. I was just going to add, and the other thing is that, you know, our relationships now are lasting so much longer. So there's this challenge, too, of if one of you is growing and the other one's not, you know, you can outgrow your partner and that can be hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just think of that because, you know, growing up and I think back to my to my teenage years and then when I become when I graduated from university, all of most of my friends, parents actually divorced while we were all in university. Mm. So it wasn't as messy of a divorce. Most of it were kind of gradually kind of drifting apart. So that's why I thought of that that question, the growing apart. Part. Yeah, they call that gray divorce now. That's called gray divorce. Gray divorce, right. It's, uh, you know, when the kids are now raised, you know, you stay together because you don't want to disrupt your children's lives. Now the kids are gone and I have nothing in common with you anymore. I don't even like you anymore. I'd rather be by myself than be with you. And that's what a lot right. of that is about. So, but we're also living so much longer. So now a relationship, if you got married when you're 30, I mean, you may be with that person 50, 60, 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> Versus, you know, 200 years ago, you just got to make it 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I listen to a lot of millennial podcasts and they think about a lot of people have they either love and they believe in like being, you know, very much hopeless romantics or they're very much in the side of 
you know, multiple loves. There is no such thing as the one. There are multiple the ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it yeah. is going back to that, you know, oh my God, I'm going to be with a per- person for 50, 60 years. It's a lot of pressure. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you hope that you can navigate it. I mean, it's not just, you know, you can have differences between you, but also I mean, the other reality is that life throws a lot at people. So I mean, if sometimes you have, for example, I've sometimes worked with couples that had a really, had a really solid relationship, but maybe they had a child that died or something very tragic. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually broke the relationship. You know, so if there's enough stress, that's the other thing that can also really damage a relationship. So I always really encourage people to really look at the outside pressures and try to make lifestyle choices that mm-hmm. help, you know, decrease that. And that to me, like if you're working for yourself, like I work for myself, that's actually one of the best things about it. I've really been able to, as my kids are coming to the picture, adjust my work life so that we're not all suffocating under the pressure of corporate life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just to wrap up, I think that a lot of our listeners, so we've kind of dealt with the marriage part for the, for the Mm -hmm. ones who are coupled up for the singletons, for our single listeners who are, you know, living through this time where they can't just go out and, and uh, Uh. do their thing. And actually I was listening to a podcast. I think it was the guardian. They did like the Guardian, like, sorry, virtual like Zoom dating. And it was mm-hmm. just, and they recorded it. Um, oh. Mm-hmm. And they gave listeners like a free takeaway to order. And like, it, it was a bit weird because someone was in the US and the other person yeah. was like in the UK and so on. And it's just uh-huh. very strange. What, what, what would be your advice with dating generally, I suppose? But, you know, one thing I'll tell you is that times may have changed and we have a lot more technology, but human beings haven't. We just haven't. We still, everyone's still looking for somebody that they can emotionally get close to, that they feel safe with, who sees them, that they can be themselves. And so I would say don't give up on that dream. I know that there's a lot more talk about relationships being superficial and blah, blah, blah. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, everyone still wants that deeper intimacy. So, but that requires you actually kind of you know, being willing to do some work to mature and also really mm-hmm. be yourself. I mean, I think to me, when I look across the lifespan, I look at people that I see who are older, what they love about getting older is being more themselves. Mm-hmm. And the thing about us, the more we are ourselves, the more attractive we become. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, I think, when you're in your late teens, 20s, even early 30s, you're so concerned about what everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. It's, part of that is because what's going on in the brain, it makes you focus out. But at the end of the day, it is being yourself that attracts another person to you. So really getting comfortable in your own skin. And once you have confidence, confidence is really attractive. You know, oh. So if you're going to put energy into anything, put it into that. You know, Surround yourself with people that support you, that love you, and, and step out you know, be courageous in that sense. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm pretty sure that everyone's feeling empowered to go out there and find <laughs> their, their, uh, one of their soulmates. <laughs> Strong women, right? <laughs> so um, where can people find you? And uh, yeah, where can people find you? Well, I, you can check out my website, strongwomenstronglove.com. I have a blog on there. I really just try to keep putting, you know, good information out there. You can read. There's a couple of free downloads. There's a webinar you can sign up for as well if you want something. It'll be like an hour-long webinar uh, to give you a little more detail about just sort of the things to focus on to make your relationship solid. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I would suggest going. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. I learned so much. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. It was lovely. This podcast is sponsored by Pauline Malubai Consulting. We are an agency that supports visionary CEOs with strategy, coaching, and implementation support. We are their right-hand partners in building and scaling their operations and revenue streams. We give them the space to own their CEO role. If you want to find out more, visit helpmepauline.com and let's continue the conversation. Hey friends, hope you enjoyed this episode of How She Owns It. If you want to be a part of a collective of purpose-driven female visionaries, join our Facebook group, How She Owns It, for insightful conversations, new friendships with fellow CEOs, and tips and tricks to help you in your entrepreneurial journey. Running, building, and scaling a business is hard work, so give yourself credit for owning your definition of success. Now go out and help someone else by subscribing, sharing, and passing this episode on. Give us a review and don't be shy to connect with me on my socials. I can be found at, at CEO Pauline Malubai. See you in the next one.